Welcome back to Drip, the DC Coffee Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Brower. Before we get into the episode, I need your help. I've started to ask coffee goers and baristas around the city to share one or two of their best experiences within a coffee shop. Have you ever had an awesome interaction with a barista or vice versa? Well, now's your time to tell your story. Knowing I cannot get to everyone, I was hoping you all could share with me. Learn more during the credits. So in episode five, what is a frugal enterprise, District Mugs? We heard about District Mugs and the work they do with the homeless in our DC community. Because we're in the midst of so many holidays, I wanted to continue highlighting organizations with the cause. And for this episode, specifically, Coffee with the Cause. Heather Corsi, General Manager of Ebenezer's Coffee House, and I spent the morning discussing their origin story, Ebenezer's relationship with National Community Church, and the type of community they brew in and out of the cafe. So sit back, enjoy your cup of coffee, and enjoy the episode. Thanks for connecting today and being willing to talk about coffee yeah, and course. what Ebenezer's Coffee does. Maybe it's Ebenezer's Coffee House yes, in full. Yes, Ebenezer's Coffee House. Okay. No apostrophe. There you go. Get that right. <laughs> I'm going to take a note now. Yeah. No apostrophe. <laughs> but no, I just kind of want to start out and hear a little bit about your background, where you came from, and what brought you to Ebenezer's. Yeah. No apostrophe. Right. Exactly. I've worked in coffee since college. I think like a lot of people, I just needed a part-time job. It seemed like a cool place to start, but I've realized since that that first shop I worked at, we didn't really know anything about coffee at all. We were, <laughs> we were like pulling shots and had no training at all. So it was a pretty interesting, uh, I really love the atmosphere and the customers and all that. But as far as coffee, it was probably just like the worst shots of espresso you've ever had. But I just loved it. So I kind of continued doing that through college. And then after college, I tried to get, you know, a quote, real job. And I still went back to coffee as a, as a part-time job just because I loved it. And it just sort of got in me like it does. And I started to have an idea of maybe I would start a shop that had gave back a little bit instead of just making somebody rich somewhere you don't know, you know. I think community just naturally happens in a coffee house. So what's a way you can kind of harness that and be intentional with that. So I started to explore that a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, I heard about this internship in DC with a coffee house that a church owned. And I thought, well, I was at a really transitional point in my life where I was like, well, I could move to DC, I guess. I don't know. So I did that. And, uh, yeah, that was in 2010 and here I am still. So, and so what was that internship? It was with the National was, Community Church. Yeah, it was with National Community Church. They have what's called the protege program. With the church, each department has a protege. So like kids ministry has um, somebody who comes in or maybe like their worship department or something. And so I did it specifically with the coffee house and mine was split with working with the coffee house manager and the events manager. So I did kind of both. Huh. That was probably a lot of work. It was. It was a lot of work, yeah. But it was really fun, and I think it was a really good way to learn whether you really like that or not, because it was sort of, you're in it. So, uh, yeah, you have to learn it, and I think that that was a good experience for me. So, yeah. Yeah. So during that internship, which were you more interested, the event side of things or the coffee side of things? Well, the coffee was always kind of what drew me. I think events are important and they're, I think, a good supplement to um, a coffee house. But for me, it was always about 
one, I just really like coffee and I love working on the bar. That's like my favorite place to be in the coffee house. But it's always been about that. But I think with events, you still get that community. So I I love that aspect of it. Why do you like working on the bar so much? Oh, man, it's just so fun. I just, I think, you know, you get to interact with people. And I just really like making drinks. I like when we're busy and we've got a line to the door and you have to figure out how to make all those drinks so fast. And I like making that perfect shot, you know. It's Mm -hmm. just, you feel like you really accomplished something. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I like when you are with a customer and they're trying to figure out what are they going to like? And they don't, they come in, they're like, I don't really drink coffee or I don't, I don't really know. And helping them find their new favorite drink, I think is, it's just so fun. Yeah, definitely can empathize with that. So at least when I'm at the register trying to figure out the drink, I usually start out with an overall question and yeah. keep narrowing down what's, yeah. what's your style of figuring out oh, yeah. the person's so drink So it's is. definitely, are you looking for something sweet or not so sweet, uh, hot or cold? And then um, I usually throw out a couple couple go-tos. I'll do one, like, seasonal drink that we have. Or, and then I usually suggest something that I just really like. <laughs> and then something that just sells really well. So our honey lavender latte is, like, our bestseller by far. And so that often comes up because it's the most popular. So there's a probably a good chance you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. But I usually start people who don't like coffee on a dirty chai. And that's gotten quite a few people to drink hmm. coffee. Why dirty chai? I don't know. There's something I think everybody likes chai. It has flavors that everyone can appreciate. And then you throw a shot of espresso in there and it just makes it that much better. So I think it's just like an easy transition. So yeah, it's it's worked for several people. Huh. That's brilliant. So they'll have a dirty chai a couple of times and say all right. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Give me the just espresso shot. Well, it, it takes a while to get to just espresso, but usually we can work them up to a latte. Or, That's brilliant. Yeah, it's fun. I didn't realize the connection between dirty chais and, and yeah, coffee. Yeah, it's, it's good. Huh, okay. Can you give us the origin story of Ebenezer's Coffee? We've been here since 2006. Our pastor, early pastor, uh, Mark Batterson, he lives in the, in the neighborhood. And so he would walk up to Union Station. It was just a boarded up building. There was nothing happening or nothing good happening. He just kind of had a vision for that could be a great place for community to happen. And the church kind of got on board with it. They purchased the land. And actually, I, I don't tell the story nearly as well as he does. But, I mean, it was a struggle. And it was they had to get it rezoned. And in D.C., all that stuff is so hard. So he got all that done. And we opened in 2006. And, it's yeah, it's been fun to be a part of the community since then. It's been very different than it used to be. And I think the neighborhood just in general has changed a lot since then. Even since 2010 when I came, it's changed a lot. So So before Mark Batterson found it, what was 201 F Street? Yeah, it was a diner for Union Station. So it was before the trains had a food cart. And so passengers would come and there wasn't all these office buildings between us and Union Station. So it was a straight shot. And so passengers would come from Union Station and get, it was like butter and eggs was their menu item. (laughs) So people would come down and like to think that they were probably drinking coffee then too with their butter and eggs. And so there's sort of this community aspect that's been a part of the building for many years. And so those little brick walls on the corner, those were the original diner walls. Everything else was oh, okay. redone. So the they're almost about waist high. Um no no no. On the, the like it, of the building. The small brick walls, um, the ones that are painted gray, that was the original. Okay, so when you're inside the coffee mm-hmm. house. Yeah. That's really neat that you all kept it. Yeah. In there. It's cool. 
And then so the buttered eggs. Mm -hmm. And then after the house was just kind of being used for what, if you're allowed to say. Yeah, I mean, well, they say it was a crack house. I wasn't here then. But yeah, I would assume that that's true. So um, yeah, it was just boarded up. Nothing good was happening in there. And now it's cool to, you know, be able to see people out in the patio and drinking coffee and first dates and all the <laughs> things you see in a coffee house in the day to day. And it's very different than it, it was during that time period. So, yeah. Huh. So just in general, the idea of community yeah. for a while has been around in this location. Yeah, and definitely. Pulling people together, mostly for good reasons. Yeah. Usually. How was Ebenezer's the name that was Trojan? So the name, actually, I wish I had a sleeve with me. It actually has a reference to um, the Bible verse it comes from, which is 1 Samuel seven twelve. Mm-hmm. It just means, well, it actually means hitherto the Lord has helped us. But for us, it just means up until this point, God has helped us. And so we believe that he will moving forward. So, yeah, it's just sort of a reminder that when they purchased the building, they actually found out later that there were several other bids that were higher than theirs and then you know we just believe that that was god helping us so faith is definitely a huge piece of what we do and why we do it i would say it's definitely the motivation for why we're here and what we're doing yeah just that community aspect and just being here to give back to dc and to specifically capitol hill so yeah so your logo also has a train on it yeah and that's, Do you mind sharing that? Yeah, yeah that's just to kind of give homage to where we came from. Because it was a diner for the train station, we incorporated that train into our logo. And actually on our floor in the main level, some people miss this, but there's actual train tracks kind of made into the floor to pay homage a little bit for the people who came before us to tell their story too. Oh, that's really great. Yeah. I'll have to, I haven't noticed the train tracks yet, yeah. so I'll have to check out the train tracks and the walls of the original. Right, yeah. That's really cool. So in general, the base community for Ebenezer's is very much that church community, which supports the outer community. Is that how you'd look at it? or? Um, yes and no. I mean, we say that we're a place where the church and community can cross paths, but mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if I, I would totally say that anymore. I think that we are the community. It's just sort of a place where everyone can be, you know? And so whether you're from the church or you're not from the church, I think Ebenezer's is a place that hopefully everyone finds welcoming and can be comfortable in. The church definitely is, I mean, we're owned by the church, so there's definitely that support. But I mean, there are customers that come through Monday through Friday in the morning, getting their coffee on their way to work. I think that that's the people that we serve the most. And then the community who lives in the neighborhood. So yeah, I think it's a mixture for sure of who comes in. And I think one of my favorite things about Ebenezer's is that a little bit of everybody does walk through at some point. It's pretty remarkable. We have senators in, we have people experiencing homelessness. Inauguration Day is one of our busiest days, but then also the Women's March was one of our busiest days. <laughs> so it's it's everybody comes through at some point, which is, I think, a really beautiful thing that we get to be a part of. Yeah. You talked a little bit about the church community. How does that connect to the way that you manage or see yourself in the community as a coffee shop? Mm, we often talked about business's mission. For us, Our business is as important as our mission. Whenever we make decisions, wherever I make decisions as a general manager, I make them through kind of that, both of those lenses. It's not like everything is solely a business decision or everything is solely a mission decision. So that means 
that we bring in products that reflect who we are. So we want to partner with other people who are doing cool things. And there's so many people doing cool things, especially lately. I feel like it's really a trend. And I think that that's so fun and we can support each other. And if as a business, we have a cost of goods, if that cost can also go towards another business who's giving back or doing something that we support, we try to do that. So for us, what it means that we're owned by a church is that we do want to make sure that our profits are going somewhere good and going back to the community. Um, but not just that, that also our cost of goods are also going towards things we support. So we'll bring in products that maybe aren't the lowest cost, but they reflect something that we believe in. But also then we have the business decision where it's like, well, it can't be crazy though, right? We still need to make money. So um, yeah, it's a delicate balance, but it's one that I think that we really take seriously and take into mind every time we have to make a decision. And so you mentioned a little bit about people doing and being a part of neat partnerships. Mm -hmm. What types of partnerships are you seeing just in the community in general? And then which ones are you a part of? I think that kind of social entrepreneurial, you know, like that whole thing is, is grown so much. And I feel like years ago we heard about Tom's and we were like, that's incredible, you know, and it was just like this new thing. And now it's become kind of normal that it's like, okay, well, what are you doing? What are you, where are you giving back? And I think that that's such a positive trend. And I think it's one in DC people really recognize, especially because people kind of have that mindset when they come here anyway. But yeah, so for us, we bring in products that uh, share our values. So like our bottled water is called Humankind Water, and all of their profits go towards providing clean water. Um, we use Compassion Tea, which they have a similar structure to us. They're owned by a nonprofit, and all of their profits go towards um, medical care in underserved areas of Africa. But at the same time, those products have to have a high standard and we don't just like, well, you give back, so we'll give you a pass. Well, you know, we still make sure that they're good products and it's delicious tea. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I've had here, I've been here probably three or four times and mm. it's, it's always really great. Great. So, um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Good. Okay. I also want to be interviewing you yeah. if I didn't okay, think good. it was that great. <laughs> okay, good. But that's, that's really neat. And on your website, it talks a little bit about, and you've already mentioned about giving back to the DC community specifically, mm -hmm. and then also yeah. internationally. And, yeah. and so how do you do that as a, as Ebenezer's coffee house? So the way we give back in that way is mainly through the church. The church has a pretty huge uh, missions department. Uh, so those are local and, and international missions. And so all of our profits go back to that budget. We just opened as a church, the DC dream center, which is in Southeast DC. They provide uh, programming and um, mentorship opportunities for kids in Southeast. We're pretty involved with that. We're able to like, they had um, a copy with a cop thing recently, and we were able to donate coffee for that. And so, yeah, that's been a cool local thing that we've been a part of. And then internationally, our church takes several trips throughout the year. Personally, I lead a trip to Haiti every year. And so we've been able to give back in that way. And then also, because I personally care about Haiti. We bring in products from Haiti sometimes too. So that's been a fun tie-in. We actually have a coffee from Haiti. We used uh, Just Haiti, which is a small nonprofit. Last year, we actually got to meet the farmers. So that's been a really cool uh, partnership as well. Yeah. And so the Dream Center in D.C., mm -hmm. It's coffee with a cop that happened. Is that what you said? Yeah, they had um, they had an event, which was I think it's an event that the police department puts on, and because 
you know, we're both owned by the same church. They came to us and asked, you know, could, could you guys donate copy for that? And so that was just like a fun, practical way that we can be involved in their community. And yeah, they said it was really a good event for their community and just reconciling police tensions and those kinds of things. So. Yeah. Especially in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's definitely beneficial. And what's your relationship to Haiti? Yeah. So I lead a team who works with an orphanage right outside of Port-au-Prince and we've been going for six years now, I think. So we were able to take a team down every year and watch the growth. We've partnered with some Haitians down there that are starting a school for the community and Man, I remember the first year we went, they were saying, we have a dream for a school for the community. And education in Haiti is not free, and it's very highly regarded. So they wanted to be able to provide that for their community, um, as well as a hot meal, because a lot of the kids, maybe they don't get one for the day. And when they told us how much it would be, we were like, that's crazy. But now, uh, this past year we went, we actually stood on the second floor of that school, and they were, like, building it up. And oh, gosh. It's a how working cool school. And, yeah, it's pretty incredible. So so they got their dream. and you Yeah, know, and they're still working it. towards it. So they're running now, but now they're so big that they're already, like, putting on the second second floor. I did not realize that they had to pay for their education. And it yeah. Wasn't Actually, that was a cool thing with just Haiti, too. Is So we when we were in Haiti, after our team left and we worked with that orphanage, um, my assistant manager, Andrew, came down and we actually got to go and visit the farmers at their farm in the mountains in Haiti. I've never done that before, and it was incredible. It was such a powerful experience. One of the, th- the things they said was, well, now that we can export to the U.S., we can now put our kids through school. And then we, like, walked around a corner and met the guy's kids, and I just cried. And it was just this beautiful, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty powerful. So. Wow. I've had chills going up and down my yeah. back for the last, like, two minutes. Yeah, um, it's pretty pretty incredible. So if you're drinking coffee or buying tea at Ebenezer's, you're supporting kids in Haiti, helping yeah. them go to school and probably other places in the world because you use One Village as mm-hmm. your roaster. But that's just really incredible. Yeah, we actually have pictures from our trip to Haiti up in the wall so you can see the actual farmers that we met. And they're the actual farmers who grow the coffee that we serve when we do when we're serving just Haiti. It's pretty powerful. We came back and we were just like, what just happened? That was that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And also just to be at Origin and yeah. see the beginning of the coffee chain. Yeah, which I've wanted to do for years. So I think, you know, we talk a lot when I'm training new employees, you know, we talk a lot about like when you're pulling a good shot, it's to also honor all those people that came before us, you know, and then I get to meet those people that came before us. So it was just a really beautiful full circle kind of moment for me. But yeah. yeah. And do you mind sharing a little more about who those people would be before you? Because that's something that I really connect with as well of handing over a cup of coffee that hundreds of people have touched. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the reasons I love coffee so much besides that. I just really enjoy a good cup of coffee. You know, there's never just one person that is the full supply chain for coffee. You know, um, there's so many people that came before there's the people who are growing and harvesting and exporting and importing and roasting and, and uh, probably a bunch of people I missed in that, you know? And so, um, I love that it's it's something that connects all of us. And so there's this little shop in D.C. who gets to support people that are in Haiti that, you know, we got to meet but often never meet. But we're so connected by this one thing. And I think that that's the reason I, I love coffee so much is that community is just like essential to it. Yeah. You, know? you said something earlier that really spoke to me. You said Harness an intentional community. Yeah. You harness and are intentional about community. Yeah. And it sounds like you do that in a lot of ways. But 
have you used those terms before? Or yeah. Have- for us, when we're training new baristas, one of the cool things I get to tell them is that, you know, when people are having a bad day at work or they're just like need a break or they're having a great day at work, they leave the office and go to a coffee house and let's go get coffee. You know, like that's a normal thing. And we're the place that they get to go to. So we can be intentional with that. So whether it's celebrating with them or mourning with them or just empathizing and saying, yeah, it's Wednesday and we're all tired, you know, being able to be intentional with that and following up. We have just a really great staff of people that care about people. I love watching our staff kind of flourish and come into their own. Sometimes I'll hire people that I'm not necessarily sure how it's going to turn out. (laughs) And most of the time it works out pretty good because what we look for are people who really care about people and get what we're trying to do here. And whether you come in with a coffee experience or not, we're like, well, we can train you on that. But if you don't understand the community we're trying to have happen, then I'm not sure we can train on that as much. But we have people like Luana Glover. She's actually worked in our shop since we opened. So if you've ever come in Monday through Friday in the morning, you probably have been waited on by Luana. Man, she is just incredible. She connects with so many people from all walks of life. She'll like handwrite Christmas cards to some of the regular customers. And it's like those kinds of things that we try to, we let them be organic. We try not to force stuff, but at the same time, be intentional Mm -hmm. with. Yeah. You mentioned to celebrate with them and then also to mourn with people. Yeah, That's a a really nice perspective to have because there is times when you need to empathize and bring the energy down and just connect versus try to bring someone up. Right. Yeah. And I think that sometimes in that connection that does bring them up, right? You know, like you don't necessarily need somebody to be like, oh, it's going to be great. You just need someone to be like, yeah, this is hard. I'm sorry. And here's a free coffee today. That's not very much, but sometimes that's just what people need. And so, yeah. And then to follow up. I think that that's the key thing and that we tried to do. So if somebody comes in and says like, oh, I'm going to this job interview and I'm so nervous and I'm super early, so I'm just going to get coffee first, you know, we'll ask them the next time they come in, like, well, how did your interview go? And again, we try to be as organic about it as possible and not force things because nobody wants to feel like a project or be your project. And we don't view it that way. So we want to make sure that it feels authentic and like relationship. And But we encourage our staff to form those relationships with people. And it is authentic. Yeah. That's really exciting. And I think you might actually enjoy this story. I came here two or three months ago. And when I was here, I was just actually, it was probably longer than that. It was like a year ago or something. And I was just sitting and drink coffee, doing work. And this gentleman sat down and he was a little younger in college. We started talking and he was looking to get into international development and doing a lot of GIS mapping. Mm. And I had a friend who was looking for an intern at that time. And so I was like, oh, well, it's been fun to talk to you. Here's my friend's contact. You should email her and see if this would be a good position for Mm. you. And so we ended up did emailing her and going through the interview process. I don't know the conclusion of the story. Stay tuned. (laughs) But the environment that you're creating is is very great for connections like that. Great. I'm glad to hear that. Thanks for being here. Yeah, that's so cool. So intentional with your community. You have the Just Haiti, but then also I would say your main roaster yeah. um, that you use is One Villages Coffee. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so uh, why One Villages? I, since being manager, I've changed many of our vendors, most of our vendors, except for our coffee roaster. They've been uh, with us, I think, since the beginning of 2010, and I came in September. So they were pretty new at that point. 
but they just kind of get what we're doing here and they have a similar mission and you know their whole thing is we're one village and uh, we're all part of that village and so that community piece for them is so huge they care about the farmers which we also do so it's just been a really good partnership I think and I feel like with your roaster more than anybody else it's definitely a partnership a couple years ago, our espresso machine just up and died on me. You know, they're who I called and they helped us troubleshoot that and get a new one. And yeah, they're a really great resource and they come down and do trainings and they're in periodically just to check up on us. And yeah, they've just been really great. We, we really enjoy working with them and um, supporting them and watching their growth over the years too, because they were pretty new when we partnered. So yeah, it's been cool to see. Huh. Well, first that would be dreadful to have your espresso machine break it was yeah it was not great (laughs) so sorry you had that experience yeah it was not great but they're in pennsylvania right they are yeah they're right outside of philadelphia so it's like not super close but also not that far Mm -hmm. so we've been able to go up there several times and um they come down here pretty regularly and they're also in a lot of the whole foods in the area okay so they come down and work with whole foods and so when they're in the area they'll come in to the shop but there's i don't think they have another dc shop i think the next closest is in Manassas. Okay. So I think that's the cool thing too, is that we have a different coffee than everybody else. So, you know, I think everyone has their preferences, but I think that it's just fun to be able to offer something a little different and not the same, same thing. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that. Cause I was wondering if any other shop in DC carried yeah. them. I not that I know it. of, Yeah, but it's really good stuff. And yeah. I was looking at their website last night and just like you were saying, their interest in international communities and, the farmer specifically is, mm-hmm. is really nice. And yeah. They have a hero image on their website of the whole team just making funny faces. Yeah. So it seems like they also have a personality as yeah, well. Yeah, they're really approachable. And I think that that's how we want to approach coffee too, is that it is approachable. It doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, I, I love a good super snooty third wave shop. I love it personally, but we want to be a really approachable fun shop and where people feel like they can come and ask us questions and say things like, I don't really know what a macchiato is, you know, and, and, and be okay with that and not feel like we're like, Oh goodness. How do you know? You know? And so that's kind of their approach too. It's just to be here's it's coffee at the end of the day, you know, and it's great and we love it, but you know, it's coffee. So (laughs) I thought your story about the chai latte was, was really great where you're just well, this can help you get to maybe where you want to go with coffee, yeah. but if not, it's still a great drink. And right, you can yeah. Stay there. And not to kind of jump back, but you were discussing training your baristas and talking mostly about, you know, you can't really train on community, but you do train them on the skills to for coffee. And so yeah. how do you do that? And what parts do you think are the most important when you train? Yeah, I think training are, is something we're always trying to figure out and trying to evolve in and grow in and I think teaching kind of the appreciation for coffee and the understanding of kind of that, like, yeah, like I said before, that so many people come before us so that it's not just, it matters, you know, if we pull a good shot or not, not just to the customer who's buying it, but to all those other people. So I think that's kind of where we start because if you don't kind of understand that why behind what we're doing, then I think it's hard to really get it. So we try to start there and then, you know, then we just sort of move into basic skills. We start with um, customer service is usually how we start training and just making sure that people do kind of understand 
that is we are you're expected to welcome people with a smile and you're expected to be friendly and that's like baseline like we, there's not that is the expectation so that's kind of how we we start our training and then we just sort of practically roll out into the espresso machine is kind of the last piece of the training for us because uh, we don't want people serving drinks before they're ready and it's usually intimidating for people I feel like they usually come in and they're like oh I don't know about that you know and so we want people to kind of work up to it and feel comfortable in the space before we throw them on the bar and mm-hmm. when we have a line to the door so <laughs> yeah, right. so you've commented on pulling a good shot for a while. And there's mm-hmm. some people listening who may not understand what that means. Do you mind explaining that? Well, like I had said that at the first shop I worked at, we didn't know about pulling a good shot. So I remember when I was finally trained at a different shop, how to pull a good shot of espresso. I remember specifically thinking like, man, I remember some days being like, man, this is taking forever today. That's weird. And just handing people these shots that were taking way too long to pull. So they were super overextracted, just probably tasted just awful you know (laughs) we just didn't know uh so we are looking for just a well balanced shot that has some sweetness and some full body and one village coffee has the nordico espresso which is one of my favorite espressos and not it was before i worked here i just really like it It, it's super well balanced especially when you get it timed just right it really pulls a beautiful shot and it's so good Mm -hmm. so yeah I'll have to try that then. Yeah, I I really like it. And so pulling it would be, you have to have the right amount of coffee. Yeah. um, Tamp it down Mm -hmm. and then you run water through it. And Mm -hmm. so it's about the amount of coffee bean that you put in and the amount of espresso. Yeah. And adjusting your grind and making sure it's the right amount of water. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of very specific things um, that add up. And I think that that's part of the reason that I really appreciate a good shot so so much is because it, it takes some work, you know? It's not something that you just, like, fall into. You have to be intentional to, to do it, so... Honey lavender lattes. Yeah. <laughs> you all have a lot of... I don't know if wild is the right word, yeah. but a lot of very complex, multi-flavored drinks. Yeah, and, and so... And why? And... <laughs> Is it difficult to keep all those straight when you're behind the bar? (laughs) Uh, Why is because it's fun. Why not, right? Yeah, yeah, I think we've just listened to our customers over the year, and that's kind of where we've gone because people really resonate with it. People really enjoy the different flavors, and I think we have fun coming up with them. So it's just fun for everybody. It's not hard to keep up with. We try to keep kind of a base recipe, and then in that we kind of adjust for uh, different flavors. We have a few that are a little different, but the basics are kind of always the same. It's just fun. And our customers, the honey lavender latte specifically, we actually, it was just supposed to be seasonal like two years ago in the spring. It was just like a spring drink. And then it just outsold all of our other drinks and it continues to outsell all of our other drinks. So we just have left it on the menu because we're like, well, if you like it, we're not going to take it away. But yeah, yeah it, that was a pretty crazy one. I didn't know that that was going to happen. So I've heard about lavender lattes a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just think of purple fields in the south of France. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm assuming you're not just like crushing this lavender and throwing it into the No, drink. no. It's, it's real honey. And then we use a lavender syrup. And it's not like overly sweet. It's just like a nice kind of finish and I to be honest I drink double espressos or black coffee but the honey lavender is actually really good it's it's just like it's not too sweet and I think that that's why 
It's so popular. <laughs> people love it. <laughs> There's a couple people who always come in and ask for it. I'm like, Ebenezer's. Oh, funny. Is the place to go. That's hilarious. Well, good. <laughs> so, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. It's a long walk, but yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I do. <laughs> You're like, maybe Uber. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like, how badly do you want yeah. uh, lavender? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's fun. And so who creates these drinks? We do. I've done several of them. And then our team, it's sort of a group project. (laughs) So you're on the back just with all these different flavors, putting them in. Yeah. So what usually happens is either with the flavors we have, I'll say like, Hey, we need some new brace recommendations or something. The braces will just like bring me stuff and to try. And, uh, then we will put it up if it's good. And we feel like enough, like a base of people will like it. We try not to do things that are like super specific. Um, we'll do a few so that we kind of get everybody. And then we also, I'll kind of have an idea of where I want to go and I'll get a few um, different flavors to play around with and then say like, hey, let's try these out and see. And so, yeah, that's kind of how we do it. So I'm assuming there's been some pretty bad <laughs> potential drinks. So <laughs> would you mind talking about one or two of them? Oh, yeah, let's see. What are we... I feel like we haven't had too many that were like bad, bad, but what we run into every once in a while is like some of the fruit based syrups will just curdle the milk immediately, which is, that's pretty gross. So we try to stay away from that. But yeah, other than that, we've had a pretty, pretty successful actually. How do you perceive your job as a quote unquote leader of the team and what type of leadership do you like to empower uh, your team to have? I think that might be... Which is surprising to me that I'm going to say this, but I think that might be my favorite part of my job. I love watching people blossom and whether that means they stay here and blossom or they're like, okay, we've learned some things and now we're going to go off and do whatever. I think that just watching people kind of step into who they're created to be and into their giftings is such a beautiful thing and something that I I don't take lightly as a leader. So we try to be a place with grace. And we give people a lot of chances around here. But at the same time, there's a standard. So it's a, you know, it's an attention for sure. But I think it's been one that we've been pretty successful in, in kind of managing and working through. And yeah, I think personally, I, I would never ask a barista to do something that I wasn't willing to do or haven't done a thousand times. It's not a like, I'm in charge, you're down here kind of thing as we're all in this and you know, I have some more responsibilities because I'm the general manager, but at the end of the day, we're all doing this together. And so I think that's kind of my approach to management, but, um, yeah, I really enjoy just investing in people and seeing, I, I kind of look at it like the baristas get to invest in the customers and I get to invest in the baristas. So yeah, that's been a fun, a fun thing that I think I didn't know before I was manager, but I really enjoyed yeah. Sounds like you're in the right spot then. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So as we get to the closing here, what are you specifically thankful for? I mean, I would say our team and for our customers, because without those two key pieces, then what are we doing? I'm thankful that we have, I, we're always able to find people who are on board with what we're doing, um, whether that's as a customer or as a barista. Yeah, I'm really thankful for that. I don't take that lightly. Yeah. Are there any specific interactions you've had with customers that you just always go back to and remember as, oh, that was a really wonderful interaction? You know, yes and no. I've been trying to think of like a specific example, but I think it's more like, you know, surely I've had those conversations that are like, 
more meaningful than others. But I think sometimes it's those little those little moments that add up to something bigger. Um, so like, you know, when I've had customers before that were just like cranky all the time and you're just like, I don't even think you like us. I don't know why you come in here, you know? Um, but then they'll have that one day where then they come and share something about their life or they say like, Oh, you're my favorite coffee house. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, but I realized that it's those little moments. It's those little interactions that add up to something. And I mean, I guess that's all relationships, right? But like, yeah, I think that that's, that's more what we're doing. It's not necessarily somebody comes in and we have this like life changing conversation, but it's those like small incremental changes. And then suddenly it's like, man, that customer used to drive me crazy, but now they're like my favorite one because we at some point have formed this relationship. Yeah. So I, and that happens all day, every day in the shop. So I think it's more like that for us. Hmm. Yeah, and it wouldn't be that way if you didn't have the intentionality of your staff. Yeah, you yeah, think. I think so. That was, yeah, really well described. I can empathize with that. Yeah. It's just like a switch that goes off who a customer was very kind of mean and particular, yeah. and then all of a sudden they're just very nice and genuine to you. And Yeah. And it's great. And yeah. Because you were nice and... Or if they're just, like, kind of reserved or, you know, and then, like, one day they just sort of really start to talk to you and you're like, oh, okay. You know, we're talking now. Yeah, Yeah. okay, here we are, you know. And I think those are my favorite moments. And they're not, like, something you go home and journal about. They're just, like, those real, like, life moments that happen every day in a coffee house. And not just at Ebenezer's. It happens in coffee houses all over because that's kind of the nature of a coffee house, which is why I like them, you know. Yeah. So... What can the DC coffee community do to support Ebenezer's coffee house? Yeah, I think we can all just keep making great coffee. I loved watching the transition in DC of more shops and more. I think people just have a, a more of a mindset about coffee today than they did when I first came. And so I think that as a group, if we're all kind of pushing each other to be better, I think that that's a positive all around. And then, yeah, just come in. Get get a honey lavender latte. <laughs> Try it out. Yeah, yeah, do it. Awesome. Well, I'm going to hand the mic over to you uh, figuratively. Mm. I'm going to keep it. Um, <laughs> but is there anything that you want to say just closing out? Just an appreciation for our customers. I mean, we are where we are, and we're in a pretty strategic place. We're right by Union Station. We're right across from the SEC. So we have this huge customer base that comes in all the time. And we don't take that for granted. And so if you want to know Ebenezer's, like the first thing we're going to talk about is our customers and how much we love them and how much we um, really do appreciate just everyone who comes in and they make our day better. And so we hope that we return the favor. And that's a wrap, folks. To keep up to date with Heather and the Ebenezer's Coffee House team, check out their website at ebenezerscoffee.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All right, so here's my request. Just like Heather spoke about those real-life moments that took place in a coffee house, I want to share your cafe moments. Go to Drip's website at dcdrippodcast.com. At the bottom of the page is a contact form. In that form, share your positive cafe story. Please do mark if I can share your name or if you want to remain anonymous. As well, you can share your story with the hashtag DCCafeStory. Though I will not be able to share all the stories in the next episode, I hope to tell at least a few. As always, 
Thank you to The Broke Royals for music, Rebecca Silverstein for graphics and web design, Wesley Stukenbroker for creative support, and Steve Stewart, the engineer. Thanks for listening, and keep brewing community.